Today we're going to talk about Zacchaeus. And I want to give you a little background that you may not have re realized before that would help you understand this amazing story. As we begin in verse 1, the Bible says that Jesus entered and passed through what city? Jericho. Now, some of you know that Joshua led the battle of Jericho, right? But what you may not have known is that by the time Jesus was on earth, Jericho was a rough city. I don't know that it's fair to say this, but from all that I could find, Jericho was known to be rough in the sense that it had some element of lawlessness. Do you remember the story of the Good Samaritan? Go back and check, but it says that the man was traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. <laughs> and what happened? He got what? He got attacked. So Jericho, you know, I don't want to say that it was like a Washington, D.C. or a Chicago. I don't want to say that, but it was not an easy city. It was not just a, you know, a, a peaceful, complacent city. Jericho had an element that was dangerous about it. And in this city, we're introduced to one character, and his name was Zacchaeus. Now, I've got to tell you a little bit about his biography, because in verse 2, there are three things that we learn about Zacchaeus. The first is that Zacchaeus was a publican. Now, what is a publican? Well, when the Romans conquered territories they set up a system whereby they collected taxes. But they were very smart in how they executed this. They didn't do it so that they sent Romans to do it. The position of tax collector was a job that you could buy. And so the people that usually bought the position were people that were already had some money. And once you got the job you could kind of fudge the lines and collect a little bit more if you wanted to. This was the advantage of having this job. So publicans were not only known to be traitors, because remember, Zacchaeus was a Jew, you know, so they were not only considered traitors. Publicans were also considered to be dishonest. And so you can understand that they were hated. They were hated because they were traitors. They betrayed their own people. And not only that, but often, very, very often, they were dishonest. And Zacchaeus was not just an ordinary publican. He was the, he was the chief. So there's point number two. He wasn't just your run-of-the-mill IRS agent. This was like the the district superintendent of the IRS, so to speak. And not just that, but the Bible says, and he was what? There is implied in this little point that perhaps he was dishonest. Now, I don't know if you understand that when we read this story, there is some confirmation of that. But please note that Zacchaeus had all the qualities of someone that you would not like. He was a Jew that worked for the Romans. He was perhaps dishonest. And he was working in a profession that was considered to be extortionary. 
verse 3 tells us, and he sought to see Jesus, who he was. And he could not for the press because he was little of stature. Now, this is true, and I, I just want to make this distinction. This really happened. Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus, and at this point in Jesus' ministry, he was very popular. So wherever he went, throngs of people came out to see him. But the Bible tells us that Zacchaeus couldn't try as he might. He could not see Jesus. And, you know, this implies a very important point in the sinner's experience. I'm going to read for you from the book of Isaiah, chapter 59, and I want you to notice what the Bible says about man's condition and sin. Isaiah 59, verse 2, the Bible says, But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. You know, friends, when we are lost in sin, we place ourselves in a position where we cannot fully gain access to the character and grace of God. Now, I want to be careful how I say this. All of us sin. But the Bible gives us the background of Zacchaeus, letting us know that Zacchaeus at this point was someone who was living in sin. In other words, he was in sin and he had no desire or there was no demonstration of him wanting to leave that life of sin. And I think each of us, we know this. If you have lived the Christian life, you know that when you hold on to sins in your life, when you don't want to give up something to God, that thing destroys your relationship with God. It doesn't matter what it is. It could be something considered so small. But whatever that sin is, that one sin has the ability to prevent you from having the peace of Christ in your life. In sin, man is separated from God. But fortunately, God doesn't leave him in that condition. Notice verse 4. And he ran before and climbed up into a what? A sycamore tree. Now, the kind of tree is not so significant, but I want to make this point very simple. Alone in his sins, Zacchaeus had no hope to gain access to Christ. It was because of a tree that Zacchaeus was finally able to see Jesus. And I think you get the point. We were lost in sin. We had no hope. There was no chance that we could have been saved until God brought into the picture that there would be a tree and a sacrifice on that tree that would help us be reunited with God once more. But here's where things get interesting. Look with me at verse 5. And when Jesus came to the place, 
He looked up and saw him. Have you ever watched a mob? I don't know if you've noticed, but right now, all over the world, there are protests and gatherings. If you go to Hong Kong, they're having them. Uh, if you know about right now in Europe, they have the football thing going on, and there are mobs there as well. But have you ever noticed that when there is a mob of people looking at something, when one person in the group, if they're influential, does something, everybody in the group does it? So I want you to imagine there's a group of people walking, thronging Jesus. They're all thronging him. And as Jesus walks, he stops. Everybody stops. He looks up. Everybody looks up. And who do they see? In that town, perhaps one of the most hated people is there up in the tree. There is Zacchaeus. But what does Jesus say? He said, Zacchaeus, notice this, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. You know something, folks? There is something amazing about this little interaction. Because everybody knew who Zacchaeus was. I believe that because of his position, because of his, maybe even because of his stature, people knew about this man. And he wasn't well-liked. Verse 1 intimates, or verse 2 intimates that he was someone that was probably despised. And here comes Jesus, someone that everybody likes. At this point, although Jesus did have enemies, the multitudes followed Jesus because he healed people, he fed them, he did all of these miracles, and so people followed him because Jesus was the source of hope and joy. And now Jesus says, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. Now, I want you to know that this part of the story is the turning point. Why is it the turning point? Because what Jesus did there makes all the difference as to what takes place next. What happens next? Verse 6, and he made haste and came down and received him how? Joyfully. Did you see that? Now, you, you have to think about this. If you live in a town, and you know this, at some point, everybody figures out who you are. Everybody learns about you. And Zacchaeus had developed kind of a, a negative reputation. But now Jesus comes, and Jesus says, Zacchaeus, I want to go, I want to spend time with you. I want to eat with you. I want to be at your house. And now the Bible says that he received Jesus joyfully. Now, in verse 8, I want you to notice this. Zacchaeus stood. Remember now, everyone, everyone is watching because Jesus is there and Zacchaeus is there. And now Zacchaeus makes this statement. He says, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. 
Who's the richest man in the world right now? Well, okay. Th that's not a trick question. I, I was hoping someone would say it's Jeff Bezos because I think he's close, okay? <laughs> I don't know if you know this, but Jeff Bezos is in the process of getting a divorce or he's already divorced. You know how much money he lost to his wife? I'm not saying it's quite half, but he lost a lot. She became the richest woman in the world just from getting the divorce. You get that? I don't care how wealthy you are. If you give away half of your money, you are half as rich. Does that make sense? Zacchaeus made a commitment that day. I am giving away half of my money. It's just like that. It's gone. But notice what else he said. He said, Lord, if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. Now, I don't know if you understand this. You know, this is, this is so remarkable. By the way, just as a little personal testimony, the IRS sent me a bill. So my wife paid the bill. The IRS sent the money back. And then they sent us another bill, like, you still owe us money. And we're like, what in the world is going on? Now, the IRS only sent us what we sent them. Does that make sense? But what Zacchaeus is saying is, if I took anything wrong, I'm not going to just give it back to you. What is he going to do? Four times. Can you imagine that? So remember, he gave away half of his money. And now he's saying, if I've taken anything wrongly, I'm going to pay it back four times. I don't know about you, but I think that after this whole thing, Zacchaeus is going to have to sell his house. He's going to have to empty his bank account. I think he's going to be a completely different person. Now, here's the, here's the issue. What, what happened? Why, why did this happen to Zacchaeus all of a sudden? What happened? Was he starstruck? Was he amazed that he was in the presence of some kind of Instagram or YouTube? No. This was because the Bible says that the goodness of God leads us to repentance. That's Romans 2.4, by the way. As you're sitting here today, I want you to take a moment and reflect on how God has been good to you. I know that nobody's life is perfect here. I know that. But I'm going to tell you right now, if you're here in this church on this day, you are more fortunate than many of the people in the world, a vast majority of the people in the world, just by the fact that you are here today. Can you say amen? I, you know, I'm amazed when we think of what we take for granted in Western society. Because I don't know about you guys, but <coughs> I have friends from Africa. I, I know Africa is not a country, but I have friends from from like Congo and, and from Cote d'Ivoire and other, other countries around the world. And I see their Facebook posts 
some of these people are worshiping in just like, it's basically poles and a straw roof over their heads. And potluck is nothing more than cooked cornmeal with some veggies. And I'm not trying to be disparaging about cultural foods. That's not it. My point is, we in this society, we complain about the weather. Some people are complaining about genocide in their countries. Does that make sense? Some people are, are, are lamenting the, the, the loss of freedoms in their country. We have so much to be thankful for from God. Amen? And you know, why am I asking you to think about God's goodness to you? Because when you realize... Did you know that God makes the same invitation to you? That the Bible tells us that he is knocking on the door, right? He's knocking, he's knocking on the door, and his desire is to eat with us, to fellowship with us, just as he did with Zacchaeus. The same personal love that Jesus showed Zacchaeus, he has shown to every one of us in here today. Every one of us, without any exception, all of you have experienced that love from God, even today. And so when you think about his goodness, when you think about his love, the natural effect that that love should have is that it should make you say, Lord, help me to give up sin. Because do you realize that this is what Zacchaeus is saying in verse 8? Zacchaeus is showing two things. He's saying, Jesus, I don't want to live a life of greed and selfishness anymore. I don't want to live that life anymore. And I am turning away. I am sorry for what I've done, and I'm turning away from that life. This is true repentance. True repentance is sorrow for sin and turning away from it. And that's what Zacchaeus is showing in verse 8. I want you to look with me at verse 9. <clears throat> Jesus said unto him, this day is what? Salvation come to this house, for so much as he also is a son of Abraham. In these verses is encapsulated the plan of salvation. Man is is like Zacchaeus. We are also lost in sins. Because of our sins, we cannot see God. Because of a tree, because of Calvary, we have a second chance. And Jesus shows his love to us. That love melts our hearts. The goodness of God leads us to repentance. And when we repent, we're not just sorry for the mistakes we've made. We turn away from our old life of sin, and we want to lead a new life in Christ with Jesus. Friends, my challenge for you today is very simple. Where are you in this story? Maybe some of you are like Zacchaeus. You still can't see Jesus' face because there's something that you're holding on to. Maybe there are some of you in here. Jesus has made the invitation, but you haven't accepted. There are some of you in here right now. Maybe you've allowed Jesus to come into your life, and God is changing your heart to no longer love the things that you used to love. My prayer today is that we can experience the words of Jesus that this day is salvation come to this house.
Bow your heads with me as we pray. Father in heaven, we are thankful for the story of someone who was so hated, perhaps, and yet became such an ardent, devoted follower of Jesus. Lord, my prayer for every one of us in here is that we would reflect on how good God has been to us and that, and that that realization would lead us to have a complete turn and transformation in our lives. Lord, may it be said of each one in here that this day is salvation come to this house. This is my prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.